Jesus, our only Jesus. We read about him in John chapter 13. John chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. It says, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. And he laid aside his outer garments. And taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do not wash my feet. Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew that he would, who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. Now when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and removed, resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am so. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also may do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a master greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. As we take a look at John chapter 13, one of the things that we emphasized last week is that there is a significant turning point in this section of the Gospel of John. We, we've called this sermon series The Whole Story because we, we started it at the Christmas season and it's going to take us all the way up to Resurrection Sunday. In fact, one week beyond Resurrection Sunday. This is the whole story of the life of Christ. But one of the things that we paid attention to last week is how much of the book, more than half of it, is loaded to the last week of Jesus' life. Uh, the last 168 hours of his life. And, and in fact, as we come to John chapter 13 this week, we, we have moved another chapter along and we have moved four days along. When we were in John chapter 12, we were basically on Sunday. There's a couple things that, that lead, bleed past Sunday, but for the most part, that was Sunday and now all of a sudden we are on Thursday here in John chapter 13. Now, what's interesting is the Gospel of John doesn't spend a ton of time talking about what happened between Sunday and Thursday. The rest of the Gospels have to fill in those blanks. And what we see when we look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see that for Jesus, this week was an incredibly intense week. Now, that may be one of the most simplified statements that I've ever said. 
Because Jesus is dealing with the regular conflict. He's dealing with the crowds. It is in this setting that Jesus goes in and he cleanses the temple and turns the tables upside down. He has group after group trying to trip him up and trying to expose him as a false teacher, as a fraud. In fact, different parts of these religious leaders that have been out to get him, every one of them think, you know what, I've got it. I'm going to ask him this question, and he'll never have the answer for this question. And he talks about taxes, and he talks about the afterlife, and he talks about marriage. They talk about marriage in the afterlife, and they talk about John the Baptist, whether he was really from God or not from God. And every one of them just kind of clears their throats and say, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to expose Jesus as the fraud. But to each one, Jesus gives the perfect answer, person after person after person. But the intensity of what Jesus is facing. He has been talking for some time knowing that his hour was coming. In fact, when we look at John chapter 13 in verses 1 and again in verse 3, we know that Jesus is talking about his hour and he is ready for his hour. But that doesn't take away from the weight of what he feels and what he knows is coming. I think there's one other thing though that that Jesus is dealing with in this week. It's the disciples. And the question is, Jesus is ready for this hour. But are the disciples ready for this hour? Are the disciples ready for the completely unexpected turn of events that are about to come. Now, Jesus has been telling about them. He, he, he's been fairly explicit about this is what's going to happen. But man, Jesus can see it's just flying over their heads. They, they are not hearing it. They, they are in for the most stunning experiences of their life. Are they ready for that? Are they ready for the disappointment that's going to come? Are they ready for the opposition that's going to come? Every once in a while, we'll look out the door of the office and and somebody will be taking driving lessons in the parking lot here at church. It, it, it's a good place. Most of the poles are still standing. Uh, but, but during the week, it's kind of an empty place, and you can kind of practice and move uh, around. We prefer they don't go through the driveway till week two. Don't, you know, don't, don't show off. You've got to hold that till a little bit later in the time. But, but learning out here in the parking lot is a great place to learn. But it's not the same thing as driving through Dallas-Fort Worth. It is not the same thing as driving through Dallas-Fort Worth during rush hour, or even worse, down Fagan when one of the lights is blinking. It's, it's impossible to compare. The disciples have been hanging out with Jesus, but it's been like learning to drive in the parking lot. Jesus has carried all the weight. Jesus has been right there with them. And what's about to happen with Jesus' arrest, with Jesus' trial, with Jesus' death, and all of the opposition is going to come on them. They've never seen anything like that. And so the question is, are these disciples ready? Not only that, but even after the resurrection, these guys are going to take the leadership for the entire message of Jesus. And I will tell you that in addition to the opposition, in addition to the press of people, in addition to all the people trying to trip Jesus up, in addition to the weight that Jesus is feeling, one of the things that Jesus is dealing with this entire week is, are these guys ready? Are they ready? 
Now here's the good news. Here's the good news this morning. Jesus will not ever put us in a place or situation without first preparing us. Jesus will not put us in a place, a situation, an environment, a circumstance, without first preparing us for what he's going to do. And so what we're going to see over the next four chapters, Jesus is going to teach and pray for those disciples. That's the whole next four chapters that we're going to be looking at. Jesus teaches them and Jesus prays for them. And when we get into there, you're going to see this awesome thing that he is praying for his disciples that are right there in front of them. And then he prays for us. Jesus looks into the future and he prays for us. Now that's not this week's sermon, but I'm, man, I can't wait. The fact that Jesus prays for us, that's to come. But for four chapters, he teaches and he prays for those disciples. But before he gets to the preaching and the teaching and the praying, he literally rolls up his sleeves and says, let me teach you what it means to be spiritually ready. Let me teach you what it means to have spiritual maturity. And so as we take a look at John chapter 13, what we're going to see here is these lessons on spiritual readiness or lessons on spiritual maturity. They all unfold around the washing of feet. But what we're going to see is that spiritual maturity or readiness includes seeing others the same way that Jesus sees them. If we're going to understand, if we're going to if we're going to have spiritual maturity in our lives, it will always include that we see other people like Jesus sees them. Again, this is all going to revolve around foot washing. Foot washing would have been present the entire duration of biblical times. From the opening pages of your Bible to the last pages of your Bible. Just culturally, what we're dealing with there around the world, there would have had foot washing in all of that time. But do you know they don't talk about foot washing at all in the Old Testament? And once you get past this moment in the Gospel of John, the Bible doesn't talk about foot washing again. But surrounding Jesus... Foot washing is going to show up three different times. There's something about foot washing that Jesus says, pay attention to this. Now, we just talked about one of those foot washing moments just last week. And for the second time, somebody comes up to Jesus and washes his feet. It was Mary. There was a celebration dinner in gratitude and celebration of Lazarus's resurrection. And Mary comes in, Lazarus' sister comes in and breaks open this incredibly expensive vial of uh, perfume and fills the house and probably the whole neighborhood with this smell. And, and she washes Jesus' feet. And, and then we even said that the scripture tells us that, that she wiped Jesus' feet clean, not with a towel, but with her hair. And we talked a little bit, maybe this was just me, but we talked a little bit about the fact that, man, that might have been a little bit awkward to be in that room. First of all, that overwhelming smell, and, and she interrupts the party to, to wash Jesus' feet, and so intimate of her wiping Jesus' feet clean with her hair. 
But it's the second person that does that. And so the disciples who are in that room kind of watching that, evaluating, taking that in, I think maybe in the back of their mind they said, well, I guess that's just what some people do for Jesus. I mean, they understand Jesus is highly honored. He's their teacher. He's their rabbi. He's Lord. They they understand that that he is the son of God. And so they just kind of say, well, I guess that's just how some people, what some people do for Jesus. And all of a sudden, as they sit down to have a meal, a meal that they don't understand is a really big deal, Jesus gets up from the table and he takes off his outer garment And he gathers a bowl and a pitcher of water and he fills that bowl with a pitcher of water. He takes a towel and wraps it around his waist. And he goes from disciple to disciple to disciple. And he begins to wash their feet. Now this changes things. You see, the disciples kind of looked at this and said, well, I guess foot washing is what some people do for Jesus. Remember, foot washing is something that, that only would be expected of a non-Jewish servant or slave. If you were a Jewish person, you never had to wash somebody's feet. It was so menial. It was so beneath you. And now, Foot washing is what some people do for Jesus. And now it's what Jesus does for people. Jesus is now washing people's feet. It is one of the most mind-blowing things they've ever seen. They've seen Jesus feed 5,000. They've seen Jesus raise people from the dead. But maybe I think more of a stunning moment was to watch Jesus take off his outer garment, wrap that towel around, and start scrubbing the feet of these disciples. This is not just what some people do for Jesus, because he's Jesus. But now, Jesus... Is doing it for the people around him. Mind-blowing. And then Jesus gets done, takes the towel off, puts his robe back on, sits back at the table, and says, fellas, you understand what I just did, right? And they're like, sort of. He says, well, what I just did for you, you're supposed to do for each other. Watch what just happened to foot washing. It went from what some people do for Jesus to now what Jesus does for people. And now it's what I'm supposed to do for people. Now these disciples had gone their entire life never having washed another person's feet. Never having thought that that would be a task that would ever be assigned to them. And then they watched Jesus do it. And then Jesus says, fellas, this is for you. This is the assignment that that you have. This is the task that has been given uh, to you uh, because if I've done this, then you're responsible to do this as well. Now, there are some churches that practice regular foot washing. They have Lord's Supper, they have baptism, 
and they have regular foot washing. Now, that, that's not the practice of our church, and, I, and I'm not really here to talk about how those churches are doing that. I don't necessarily believe that that's the intention of this passage. I don't believe that Jesus is saying as part of your church service, this is my opinion here, but as part of your church service, you're supposed to wash each other's feet. I think what he's saying is that you need to have this spirit, this attitude that he just demonstrated. This isn't about each other having clean feet. That, that's not what this is about. But this is about, Jesus says, if you're going to be growing in spiritual maturity, then you need to see people like I do. And, and the way that I see them is that I see people are people to be loved. Again, go back to the first verse here in the chapter. It says, Jesus, having loved his disciples in this world and loved them to the end. Jesus says, do what I've done. And that is you take the people who are around you and you love them with everything that you have. The foot washing that Jesus is talking here isn't necessarily about clean feet, but it's about humble hearts. And the disciples had not quite come to the place of having humble hearts. Now John doesn't talk about this in his gospel, but the other gospels talk about it, that for some time now, the disciples had been posturing with Jesus and saying, Jesus, who's your right-hand man? Who's your left-hand man? When you're out of town, Jesus, who's in charge? Jesus, who's going to have the best office when we set up the castle? Who's going to have this? And I think part of the reason why John doesn't mention it is because he and his brother were a couple of guys doing this. They're posturing for position, for power, for pride. Jesus said, no, 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 no. We're not looking for those kind of positions. The way that we see each other is that we, we wash each other's feet. We serve the people that are around us. We find ways to care for them. We don't look down and say, these people are below me. He says, how can I get on my knees? and love, and be humble, and care for the people in my life. You see, before the disciples could grow, before the disciples could be mature, before they were ready, they needed to start seeing people like Jesus saw them. Spiritual maturity or readiness also includes seeing work like Jesus does. Seeing work like Jesus does. Our brains are pretty amazing. Even before coffee, our, our brains are, are pretty amazing. And, and the thing is that we can process an immense amount of information and we can sort. And, and I think of people who, who would explain the brain stuff to us, that, that we'd be amazed by the number of pieces of information that we are sorting and processing all of the time. You know, one of the things that we are doing is that we are instantly processing the things in front of us, the tasks in front of us, between things that I want to do and things I don't want to do. Anybody, anybody have a mental processing system that works that way? Instantly, you can know whether that's on the want-to-do list or not want-to-do list. And then here's the thing is our brain somehow nudges us over to the want to do. And, and it's like this opposite gravitational push 
away from the things that we don't want to do, we just keep ending up over here, further and further away from those things. Our brains, I, I don't want to do that. Jesus tells us we need to flip that list in half. We need to flip that list over. The things that we don't want to do are sometimes the very things that we have to find a way to go do. Sometimes we, we divide that list and things that are beneficial to me and things that are beneficial to others. And we have been taught by our culture and by what we call common sense is that you invest in the things that are beneficial to you and everyone else can kind of figure it out for themselves. Every once in a while, we may come into a circumstance, a situation, we say, I'm just not getting anything out of that. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's church, uh, I, I don't know what it is, but you just look at that and say, I'm not getting anything out of that. I'm, I'm done with that. I'm not getting anything out of that. Well, maybe you weren't supposed to. You see, one of the big turning points in my life is that when I went into the bank and I put $25 into the bank and I had my own bank account, I never felt more like a grown-up than when I went and put that money in the bank. And then they showed me the two slips of paper that are really important at the bank. There's the deposit slip and the withdrawal slip. They really look very similar, but they're two different colors and they're shaped, they're just, they're just a little bit of a difference. They may look alike, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but there's a world of difference. If you deposit, one thing happens. If you withdraw, another thing happens. There are times that we are going through life filling out the wrong form. We, we are going through life just withdraw, withdraw, withdraw. What God is calling on us to do, what Jesus is unfolding for us is, it is time to do a deposit, a deposit, a deposit, investing and caring for the lives of other people to come to church to say, not what am I going to get out of this, but how can I serve and build up somebody else? When we have a special event here at church and say, listen, I hope my kids get to be the front of the line to do whatever it is that we're doing. Instead to say, I want to make sure that the person who walks in here who has never walked in before, that we make sure that person is taken care of. We want to make sure, not just that I see that my friends are here at church, but I want to make sure that the person that no one has spoken to at church, that someone invests in that person's life. Now again, the one to, man, that's what I want to do. But Jesus said, you got to flip this. And you got to take off that outer garment. And you got to pour that bowl. And you got to wash some people's feet because that's what Jesus wants you to do. Spiritual maturity or readiness includes seeing ourselves like Jesus sees us. Spiritual maturity or readiness includes seeing ourselves like Jesus sees us. Jesus is working his way around the table. I don't know where he started. I don't know if he went in alphabetical order. I, I don't know how that, I don't know if he went clean his feet to dirty his feet. I don't know. But he came to Peter. Sometimes we chuckle about Peter. 
So let's just take Peter's name out of this and just say he comes to one of the disciples. And that disciple says, uh, don't wash my feet. Don't, don't wash my feet. Something about it was awkward. Something about it he, he didn't like. Something about it just didn't feel right. The, the, the awkwardness of it was too much. He said, don't, don't, don't wash my feet. And Jesus says to the disciple, you don't understand now, but you will understand later. Now, quick little life note. When you don't understand, if it's possible that you don't understand, stop talking. Shift to listening mode and stop talking. But Peter says to Jesus, oh, don't, don't, don't wash my feet. Well, 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 Peter, Jesus says, you, you don't understand this right now, but you will understand it later. So this is the moment. Reflect. Listen, wait, be patient. But for our boy Pete, he just says it louder. Jesus, you will never wash my feet. <laughs> Jesus says, listen, Pete, that's a problem. Because if you don't accept this, then you don't accept me. If you don't let me do this, then you're rejecting me. To which then Peter says, well, then don't just wash my feet. Wash my hands and my head. Ay, 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 Peter. Or unnamed disciple. Or me. I'm telling you, the text doesn't have Jesus rolling his eyes, but I'm telling you, just stop it, Peter. Just for a moment, will you let Jesus do what Jesus wants to do. But there is this mashup of pride, insecurity, pride, insecurity, pride inside of Peter that says, no, you can't. Oh, I need to have more. No, you just let Jesus do the work. You see, Jesus had a need, or Peter had a need. He needed Jesus to fix some broken things in his life. And it was going to take humility from Peter to say there are some things that, that I need Jesus to do for me. Sometimes we want to show off around Jesus. Say, no, Jesus, I got this. I'll take care of this. Watch what I can do for you, Jesus. No, 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 no. This is what you need Jesus to do for you. And then when, when he finally hears that, then he wants to tell everybody, no, 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 if everybody else is getting their feet washed, I want my hands and my head washed. Stop. Well, we have to both recognize our need and we have to recognize the simplicity of Jesus' solution for our need. And we have to just let Jesus do his work. Have you let Jesus do his work in your life? Instead of coming to him and saying, oh, I, I wouldn't need that. I wouldn't expect that. Gee, I, I, don't do that for me. Oh, no, no. The, the, the only way to have life right with God is to let Jesus cleanse you. The only way to do it. 
But I'll also tell you that if you are in Christ, you are secure and you are whole. And you don't have to posture. And you don't have to storm around. And you don't have to make it all about you. Receive what Jesus has done in your life. So let's think about how we respond to this passage of Scripture. Very simple. Is your life in Christ? Have you allowed Jesus to fix the broken part of your life that needs to be fixed? For him to cleanse you so that it can be said about you, you are clean. You have everything that you need. You are clean. That, that's the whole thing that Jesus is doing right now. Is that he is coming to give his life so that we can be clean. And we say that we live under his grace and under his authority. And we allow him to clean us. And if that's something that you've never experienced in your life, that you've never done in your life, you can do that right now. It's as simple as letting Jesus wash your feet. He washes your heart. He washes your life. And if you've never done that in just a moment, Michael and I will be down front, and we'd love to pray with you as you say yes to Jesus in that way. But, but I want to come back, and I want to talk about the work and the people. What I want to do is I want to challenge you to end this week identify some kind of work, task, assignment that you're doing everything you can to run away from and stay away from. And you're hoping somebody else will do it. But I want you to know that you're supposed to do it. I know you don't want to. But would you make a commitment to identify one thing right now? that is your normal routine to stay away from at all costs. And you're supposed to go take care of those things this week. Would you do that? And secondly, secondly, man, there's a person you're supposed to serve. There, there, there's a person that you really don't want to serve. There, there, there's a person who every time that they walk into the room, your blood pressure goes up. They either drive you crazy, they annoy you, they, 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 they condescend to you. I, I don't know what that is. Don't write that on the card. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But there's a person this week that you already know. You're supposed to wash their feet. They don't deserve it. At that table was Judas Iscariot, who had already determined, had already determined to betray Jesus. I think he already had the 30 silver pieces in his pocket. They may have even jangled as Jesus washed his feet. There's someone that you're supposed to serve that you're not really looking forward to, but it's the assignment. So what I want you to do is I want you to identify one thing and one person. And then I want you to leave a little bit of space because Jesus may remind you during this week or give you an assignment of something that you don't see coming that you're supposed to do even though your reflex is, oh no. But it's going to be one thing and one person. One that you already know about. And then just leave a little space for Jesus to give you a new assignment during the week. Now, the person that you're supposed to serve may be in the room right now. They may even be sitting next to you. 
They, they may even be hearing the same sermon that you're hearing. And you're going to feel kind of awkward if they're going to say like, hey, are you doing that because Jesus washed the disciples' feet? Yes. Yes. I'm doing that because Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And he told me that was my task as well. Well, you wouldn't be doing that if Jesus hadn't washed them. Exactly. That's the whole point. That's what discipleship looks like, is when we start to do things that we wouldn't normally do because Jesus told us to do them. So if you want to grow as a disciple this week, go do something that you wouldn't normally do except that Jesus told you to do it. Let me pray, and then Michael and I will be down front.